Welcome to the Kim Honeycutt Podcast, Flip Your Lid. Kim Honeycutt is a psychotherapist. She's also the author of the book, But Your Mother Loves You. Kim also is the executive director of ICU Talks, which is a mental health speaking ministry. And she's a member of Mosaic Church and a lover of Jesus. This podcast is designed so that you can learn how to flip your lid and then reconnect to who you really are. Y'all, y'all are about in for a treat. Today for the first podcast I'm doing with Kim Honeycutt's podcast, Flip Your Lid, I had the privilege of sitting down with Sanchez Fair. Sanchez is about to be Dr. Sanchez Fair, and his life has just been amazing. He's faced a great deal of struggles. He has faced racism. He has faced coming from a broken home, and he hasn't let anything break him. Y'all, he's good. He's really good, and you're about to be truly blessed by what you're about to hear. So, everybody, this is the Kim Honeycutt podcast called Flip Your Lid. And so I'm so excited to be here with Sanchez that I don't, I didn't even think about y'all or that I should probably introduce myself. So <laughs> let me do that at this point. I'm a psychotherapist in the Charlotte area, also the executive director of ICU Talks and the author of the book, But Your Mother Loves You. And part of the title was that is because my mother abused me and people mm. love to keep telling me that she loved me. Mm. And mm. so that's how I learned that abuse was love. Life gets a little tricky, Sanchez, when it really does. That's your message, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 kinda happens that way. So I um have an amazing guest here. Honored to have him in our surroundings and a part of this brand new podcast. And so this is PhD student. Yes. Sanchez Fair. So glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh Again, I think there's just a kindred spirit yes, <laughs> in, yes, in the work that we're doing right. and what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. So, yeah, it's yeah, really fun. Yeah, there's so much you're doing. I read a little bit about you. So, I, I saw you speak at Mosaic. Okay, yeah. And then that day, I went to the It Ends Now, you know, the the, the yeah, protest. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited to be there. Yeah. And I was like, hey, Naeem, we're Sanchez. She's like, yeah, let me introduce you. <laughs> I was so excited to meet you because I wanted to say, hey, like, I'm a, I'm a trauma-informed therapist yeah. and I'm a polyvagal-informed therapist. I wanted to talk to you. And here comes a white man. No, he's white. He's wearing Clemson paraphernalia. Yeah. I'm a Gamecock, Sanchez. I need you to hear me. I need you to hear me. Okay. I know who it was. All right. And he interrupted us and no more Sanchez. And my hatred for Clemson deepened, (laughs) deepened that day. But then I heard like eight amazing um, ministers speak. And so I I, I got redeemed. I came back to loving all people. Right. So I'm back to that. So from that point, I've kind of tracked you down because I just knew there was something, something there. And I just would love for you to just speak in to your testimony a little bit and then speak into how racism has very much affected your life. Yeah. So I'm actually from Clemson town. Uh, So, so um, I'm one of those guys. (laughs) I I love sports. I love education. And so I'm, 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 I'm somewhat neutral, Um, like anything for the state of South Carolina to win because that's where I'm from. I'm going to be for it, but I prefer the Gamecocks because thank you, thank you. I knew it. That's where I uh, I was going to go play basketball, and um, and so being from Greenville, South Carolina, I grew up in. uh, You know, it's it's ironic that every city essentially has a. uh, impoverished section that is always the West side. So, right, right. so it's just ironic, that? right? Yeah, so, so yeah, it's not probable. So anyways, I grew up in West Greenville. 
Um, and it's kind of this weird thing. Like I'm a city boy, but I'm also a country boy. Cause my, my grandfather owned a couple acres out in the outskirts of Greenville, South Carolina. And, um, so yeah, uh, college came around, went to high school, uh, or middle school, elementary school was inner city. Um, very much middle-class suburban, uh, black and white, strong middle-class economically. Um, and then my eighth grade year, we had some, uh, because of a racist event, in middle school in seventh grade where I was accused of stealing one of my best friends is uh, money, uh, his money out of his wallet. And um, the guy that stole it didn't confess until the end of the year. And so I literally had um, 140, 160 hours of community service. I had to actually go wow. to uh, the police department, sit in the, sit in the cage. And then uh, every weekend for, for seven months, I was in uh, the, the local jail or uh, courthouse doing jury duty. Wow. Uh, seventh grade, 12 years old. Wow. Um, couldn't play basketball. Um, and the only thing I had was music. And um, and then when I was quote unquote exonerated, I, I never received an apology from the school. Um, my best friend did and his dad did. And we were actually really good friends up until college. And, and funny story, uh, this P I was thinking about on the way here, my PhD journey, um, because he had diabetes, they always called me Dr. Sanchez. And I was like, man, I want to be Dr. Sanchez. And yeah. so I was a guy that, it, you know, in case he ran out of insulin or needed a snack, I was kind of his accountability, but that was right. kind of our, my nickname and uh, full circle. Here we are, you right. know, uh, 20 plus years later. And uh, so, yeah, that was my first introduction into racism, um, like me experiencing it. You know, my parents had always raised me like, keep your hands out of your pockets. Um, don't look white men in the eye. You know, yes, sir. No, sir. You know, be respectful. Um, they taught me how to talk to white people. Um, right, and right. then, you know, end of seventh grade, we went to eighth grade year and we moved out to a, a small town, Powdersville, South Carolina, mm -hmm. uh, rural um, is, is where I, I really encountered rich Rednecks, if that's such a thing, and, and I hate even using <laughs> the term anymore. rednecks, right, but right. that that's what they right. culturally identified as. And sure. so, um, and then you know we had our abouts in high school and then college. As I said it before, I, I had a couple of basketball scholarships, but I knew that I wanted to do music because I was a better musician than basketball, but I was mm -hmm. good and decent enough. And so we chose to go to Southern Wesleyan because Clemson did not have a music program or music major. Right. Because they have cows and they have yeah. football. That's yes. it. Yes. We don't need anything. Don't yeah, need and anything a really else. good engineering program. That, there's that. <laughs> and yes, so you had and to bring fishing that up. and all right. this yeah. stuff. So, right. um, <laughs> but I did a dual, en a dual enrollment program where I – spent time on Southern Wesleyan's campus playing basketball and at Clemson. And mm -hmm. so, um, and then years later I signed a record deal toured and was in the Christian music industry and experienced a lot of racism firsthand. Wow. Um, they didn't really know what to do with, uh, uh, how should I say, uh, truly ethnically black and white, uh, men who came from a very Pentecostal background, yeah. very diverse, right. um, very musically inclined. And we didn't settle for cheese, you know, I'll leave it as right. at that. Right. So right. experienced that ended up in Charlotte in 2011 mm -hmm. and the rest is history. Um, and so here we are on this journey, you know, nine years later, um, working on my, my doctorate at Gordon Conwell and redemptive leadership, which is focused on, uh, multicultural leadership and, and redemptive organizational structure. And so really, really taking organizations, building healthy culture. Um, and my, my focus, my dissertation focus is centered around, um, how intergenerational trauma mm -hmm. has affected and impacted mm -hmm. all of us. 
So in other words, what I'm trying to do is disguise the fact that we need to go back to history mm -hmm. to learn because mm -hmm. people don't want to. Mm -hmm. And I'm hopeful and I'm hoping that by me saying trauma, right. it, it, it provides an opportunity for us to step back in history right. and to see how we've all been impacted. So Yeah, very much. Yeah. And, and I'm sure part of your journey is your own personal history. Absolutely. Of going back because, you know, it's really easy to get resentful and bitter yeah. and to be 12 years old. Yeah. Even yeah. if you had done it, yeah. it just seems so disproportionate. Absolutely. And, you know, and it, it's, it's kind of like, the, um, it just compounds upon one another, right? Like, right. so my, my mom and dad divorced when I was four. Um, my dad was, you know, alcoholic and, and, and druggy and he's doing well now. And, um, and so there was always that tension and that yeah. fight that give that, that who, yeah. who, which parents should I follow? Which one should I believe? I want to be like my dad. He was a musician. Yeah. He was financially doing okay. But you know, he, and you talk about abuse, right? Like, um, he wasn't necessarily physically abusive, um, you know, to me or my sisters, um, but to my mom, my mom experienced some of that and, and the emotional and verbal abuse, which, um, we, we more so experienced the emotional abuse, mm -hmm. which I feel like is honestly, it, it, you know, this is just my experience. Yes. I feel like it's, it can be worse than physical. Yes. Um, the same reason why I would say that black people probably today um, would uh, have either the same level of, of oppression as slaves, if not more, because it's like, oh, I'm told I have freedom, but I really don't have freedom. Right. That's right. <laughs> you you know on. what I'm saying? Like, Come on. It, keep on with staying like, with that. Yeah, like yeah. It, at least yeah. like I know what the parameters and the and right. the things are, right? So um so with my dad there was a lot of um, you know, trust given and and abuse emotionally where, hey, I get my hopes up and then he doesn't show up. And so um so again, I've learned through trauma. Yeah. What can I expect when his father didn't know how to be a father? Right. What can I expect when his father was a slave and mm -hmm. shipped from plantation to plantation. Mm -hmm. And so it's not justifying the behaviors necessarily, mm -hmm. but it's, it's empathizing and understanding. Like if I don't model model to my two boys, my three-year-old and my one-year-old, mm -hmm. what it means to be a present father, what it means to emotionally nourish them. Right. What's going to happen. Yeah. They're going to, uh, they're going to conform to the behaviors that they're used to. And that's what they're going to do because that's all they know. So, right. so this trauma thing has really been liberating and, and honestly healing for me as one who's um, for the last nine years worked in a lot of majority white spaces, um, right. which is traumatic in and of itself, you know? Right. Uh, right. So, yeah. Right. Absolutely. So even, even that, like going in, like you just kept going, like it, it had been so easy when you're being victimized to be a victim Yeah. and it's not what you did, right? No, you kept no. pouring into something, you kept... No going forward, but then to go into the Christian world and be doing the yeah. exact thing that you want. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's because you said it very like flippantly, like, Oh, I got a record deal. Like that's kind of a big deal, but I'm assuming you said it that way because there was so much disappointment that came with that. Absolutely. You know, I went into it naive, right? Like I, I thought like as a Christian, like we all thought the same, we yeah. all function the same. We, we all love Jesus. We love yeah. each other. Humanity's viewed equally. And, uh, like we truly believe in the Imago day that, Man and yeah. woman are created in the image right. and the part that everybody forgets, the likeness of God. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. wasn't that wasn't the case. And and it was very implicit. Right. Um, but but you know, over the last, you know, really since twenty two thousand nine, I've been dealing with this. And so um so I'm really in the fight for the long haul to to really, really reform that ideology and, and that's why I'm in this work of trauma because of 
the trauma that we are not only impacted by, but people like me who are considered the exceptions, right? Like, mm-hmm. like y'all hear my story. Well, yeah, any black man can get out. No, that's not true. That's right. I was in the right place at the right time, connected to the right white people. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. like I, I had this epiphany, like when we talk about it from a spiritual perspective, no person of color or minority can, can spiritually be free without going through politics. My, my, my white wife, my, my in-laws, they can, yeah. which is why, you know, many white people, especially white evangelicals are just like completely oblivious to these realities that we're, we're facing right now. Like right. that doesn't exist. We sh- it's a hard thing. We should just love one another. Yes. That's privilege, you know? Yeah. And, and a part of that is what, what I would, what I would call um, white immunity. You're, you're just immune to the realities mm-hmm. because the system benefits you. Mm-hmm. So in order for me to liberate my family and my friends and my community and people that I know that aren't connected to the white people and they don't have the education, I have to play the game. Yeah. And I have to try to reform from the inside. So, yeah. How do you, how do you handle that emotionally in yeah. the sense of people, I'm sure people say things to you like you're, you're like, they'll say, Oh, you have, you have a strong vocabulary mm-hmm. or you're very intelligent. And there's, yeah. there's racism in those statements. Absolutely. Um, so, so I learned over because I, I did suffer from severe depression and still do and am and have learned in the last, you know, eight, nine months, how to build like healthy boundaries. Yeah. So like a lot of my friends have been getting on me lately because I'm not as quick to respond. And a part of that is because I'm really, I'm going back to my contemplative state of mind of just being present in the moment with everything that I do. Um, And so those boundaries have, have helped me put up guardrails and to protect my emotional health. Also, I have like really, really come to grips with that. Like God's not calling me to, um, teach intro to racism or or anti-racism. Like I'm not called to teach the one-on-one class anymore. Right. And so I've built a resource. I've, I've done what I should have done it and what I could, you know, to help people. That's my podcast, Token Confessions. So if you want me to answer these petty questions, go there. Um, and, and, and I get, I have the privilege of picking and choosing who I want to level down with and, and help teach. And so I think those boundaries have been really good. I think also like my mental boundaries, um, uh, knowing how to, we were talking about identifying the different levels of people. So, so for me, whether it's like through the Enneagram, trying to assess what number they are or trying to say, okay, what number are they on the racial identity? Are they aware? And so taking all of these things that I've learned and these concepts that I've learned and being able to, um, not in a negative way, categorize people, but be able to generally say, okay, they are here. This is how you should respond. Mm, absolutely. And it helps me protect my emotional health, yeah. which has been super helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then yeah. spiritual community, you know. Oh, sure. Yeah, but the so. ability to really let someone be where they are. Yeah. Because part of the pain of being a minority is people don't want you to be where you are. Absolutely. And then people robbing you from being who you are. Exactly. You know, or, or you know, like. For their comfort. Yeah, 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 yeah. We yeah. get to play. We don't have to follow the rules that we set, but you have to follow our rules, right? right. So, um, so, so again, you know, there, there are ways to navigate that. And for me, I just don't entertain it. You know, yeah. um, I'm, I'm pretty unapologetic. And, and I think that's because I know, like, my relationship with the Lord. And, like, I'm not, I'm not one who, who seeks to prove a point. Yeah. Um, I, I really am trying to be sensitive to my surroundings, 
and the people that I'm called to liberate and be a voice for. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, you know, that when we, I was listening to Jonathan Martin and he was talking about the civil rights movement and, and these figures that we marvel over, marvel over John Lewis and Martin Luther King and, you know, mm-hmm. John Perkins and, and the list goes on. Like they were voices yeah. in the system and outside for people like my grandparents yeah. who couldn't speak for themselves. That's right. And, and, and think about what it came with, you know, yeah. 29 arrests for Dr. King, you know, right. and, and right. why. And, and he kind of got murdered. He absolutely. Happened. He yeah. was murdered. Yeah. 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 And, and the <laughs> thing is, like, especially when you're talking about and he was only murdered. Well, I ain't gonna say the only murdered, but he was murdered and arrested because of what? Integration and trying to live out the kingdom of God on earth mm. versus mm. Malcolm X was never arrested right. because he wasn't a threat to integration. Ooh. That's strong. He was he 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 wanted segregation. Right. You give me the only time he was arrested was before he became a Muslim, right? So so mm. so again, when you're a threat to the empire and when you're a threat to the uh, Americanism and the ideologies that we have convinced ourselves of, um, in the history, um, a person like me is very dangerous, you know, because right. this articulation that you right. marvel over yes. and love yes. uh, is a, is the same thing that's like the thorn in your side, right? You know, I went to your schools. I went to your colleges. Right. I went to your seminaries. Yeah. Now add my experiences, add my outside go. readings yeah. to that. So, yeah. so what makes, you know, that makes me more holistic. So, right. um, which is why I'm, I'm a firm believer that, you know, minorities like myself, you know, men, women, and, and the list goes on should be leading this conversation of racial justice and racial reconciliation. Um, if I'm hiring you for a job, like <laughs> I'm not going to pull you off the streets and say, Hey, yeah. Oh, you're a white man. Like, Oh, you get the job. No, right. it's qualifications. Right. Sure. Absolutely. So, so but, so, but yeah. the forms say anything you fill out, ask me my race. Absolutely. So intentionally. It, it, it's obviously there, there's a reason why I'm being asked. Yeah. Intentionally. Right? And yeah. then it's also to erase kids like mine, biracial kids. Yeah. What are they going to put? Right. <laughs> right. White and black. No, you have to choose. Right. Oh. That's right. Well, and, and for me, there's uh, lots of times I put other because I am half Hispanic. Yeah. And, and my dad is redneck. It doesn't say on any form I've ever nope. filled out half redneck, half nope. Hispanic. Nope, right? not at no, all. Not at all. Not at all. So, but because of that, I've been in an amazing position of hearing things and being able to learn how people think. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I'm more than pass. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 But my heart is yeah. not of somebody of privilege, but I have privilege. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have privilege. Right. And you know, like, and, and we say, like, there's nothing wrong with it. It's what you do with it. Amen. Say that again. It's nothing. There's nothing wrong with having privilege. Right. It's what you do with it. And, yeah. and like I said, for me, I am intentionally using my privilege almost in an exhaustive way mm. to mm. make sure that I liberate and, yeah. and, and fight for opportunities. I, yeah. Before this podcast, I was at a gym training high school boys oh, in basketball yeah. and teaching them the importance of excellence on, on the court, yeah. excellence academically, Ooh. and excellence mm. personally. Mm. You know, and so, like, mm. it is this thing. I own, a, I own a business right down the road on the, on the line, the light rail line of uh, West Charlotte and this side of Remount yeah. and the other side, right? And, again, creating, creating opportunities yeah. for kids that we partner with like urban promise for them to, Hey, come learn about this, you know, pretentious coffee and food program we have. Right. Let us teach you how to build your own business and work for yourself and work for the Lord. So. Yeah. That is so beautiful. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was, this only smart thing I've said in my whole life, when I was (laughs) five years old, I asked my mom what I had to do to be equal to my brother and my dad. Interesting. I could already see the favoritism based on gender, Mm -hmm. the eye contact, the different ways they were, they were treated when we were in public. 
And so I honestly have almost been silenced over the years because I, it's so hard for me to find even women who think the way I do about our gender and the, the need for equality. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I've been told forever that when they say all men are created equal or mankind or whatever, that includes me. And I said, it's never included Mm-mm. me. So I was thinking this morning when I was running, and I'll tell you, I was running, and I was thinking all this smart stuff. And then, well, I'll, I'll tell you that sin I did in a minute. But, <laughs> but I was thinking about this while I was running. I was thinking, you know, I've always been told that that has to include me. Mm. But then when we started saying black lives matter, people said, no, that doesn't include me. All lives matter. Mm. I'm like, how, how is it okay? Because it's convenient then when I say, no, no, I'm not a man. You can't say all men are critical. That doesn't include right. me. If you say women, men's in there. Yeah. Why don't we just say that? Yeah. All right. So it was just interesting to me. I just was thinking, like, where, where's the inability to leave the comfort, your survival, habitual survival yeah. response, yeah, in order to think and step out differently? And part of why I was thinking that when I was running is, you know, now we have to get everybody's everybody's way yeah. when we're running to be considerate. And so, it was, you know, being considerate and waving and thinking about, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, about how black people have always had to move. For somebody and how mm-hmm. that breaks my heart yeah and how i'm aggravated when i run that i have to move because i'm i'm old and i'm tired and i don't want to yeah. move out of somebody's way and then these pr- teenagers didn't move out of my way and the look i gave them i went how did i go to thinking about yeah god is good to wanting to beat up a 13 year old yeah yeah right for not moving for me yeah yeah right so it's it's like i get to experience both of it yeah and, uh, yeah but i think the thing is i got to pay attention to that yeah, and we're all on a journey. Yeah, you know, like, and I, and I think like just because like they're hearing us talk, you know, who's who's ever listening, like it doesn't mean we have arrived. It's yeah. the fact that we are on on this never ending journey. Yeah, it's a marathon. It's That's a right. it's a lifetime uh, uh, that we get to run um, and, and to fight for. And, and again, I, I do the same thing, right? Yeah. Like. Um, but you know, for me, I, I think even to your whole like Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter, like. Uh, like I, I do think I do believe in the 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 fact that that America needs to center blackness because mm-hmm. blackness has really not really it has it has formed this country mm-hmm. in almost every food entertainment yeah. Yeah. business economics right. uh, politically like nothing politically would be established without slavery right. <laughs> you know right. like in almost in every mm. fabric the fabric of this country. And, and, but but I love the idea of black also representing all of us. Yeah. The marginalized, like yeah. James Cone's liberation theology, which many conservative white evangelicals, Mr. Mark, when he says that that the gospel is black, mm. he's not talking about a literal color. Yeah. He's yeah. saying put yourself in that. That's right. That's put right. yourself in the lowliest place. That, you know, me, the adultery, the yeah. adulteress. Right. I I matter. Right. This gospel's for me. Ooh, me, right. the, the LGBTQIA, I matter yeah, to God. And right. like it's it's about centering ourselves right. and putting ourselves in the story. And so for me, with with black people, particularly black women in America, being the most marginalized, right. we need to center this. Yeah. Even though black women are the most educated in the country. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, like and that's the that's the that's the threat with the Black Lives Matter movement, right? It's mm-hmm. three educated black women that are gay. It doesn't get more marginalized than that. Right. That's exactly right. It's <laughs> you know? exactly right. Yeah. So, but if we value the Imago Day, Yeah. And we just start there. Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't have to agree with everything. Right. But I can start right. there and love them right. and support it. And what's but, another reason why I think you talking about intergenerational trauma yes. 
is so related because the more I deal with my personal trauma, I hold space for other people and Absolutely. I don't make what you're going through about me. I can just hold space Thank you. with you. Thank you. Thank you. You, you have, uh, it, it, and Robin D'Angelo talks, she does one of the best jobs at talk, like talking to that, that issue of, you know, whether she, her chapter on white women's tears or like, like you're, you're literally making it about yourself to yeah. derail subconsciously. Yeah. And, and a part of yeah. that is, is, is cognitive dissonance. Yeah. It's you have to, you have to like settle that dissonance that you feel. So, mm -hmm. so to explain this theory, it's like, if I, if I smoke cigarettes, right. I don't want to stop this behavior. So what am I going to do to justify the behavior? I'm going to eat. Uh, I'm going to be a, a vegan. Uh, I'm going to yeah. run 10 miles a day. I'm going to right. work out seven days a week right. because I can justify the behavior. Right. And so what we're doing now is like whether it's, it's churches are hiring token black exceptionals or, or whether whether we're uh, having conversations with black friends or reaching out to black friends we hadn't talked to in 20 years mm -hmm. to settle the dissonance. And mm -hmm. that is not mm -hmm. that is still decentering the conversation. Conversation, right, right. and you know, and, and again, I think we're in a unique time where, um, not only spiritually, do I think the Lord is giving the whole, like the church, to reset and the world uh, opportunity mm -hmm. reset, but I think if we can reset our minds and really center the conversation and keep it focused, yeah. then I think we'll see true change. Amen. Absolutely. I really, I really yeah. do, and, and it starts with dealing with the trauma. Right. That's right. Four hundred years of slavery. Right. Sixteen nineteen. Right. And some would argue that Africans were here before the Europeans showed up because mm -hmm. they were in cahoots and having babies with the Indians. So, so, right. so some would say that, right? Right. Um, and then you go from slavery, the Civil War, slavery ended, no, no therapy, mm. right into what Jim Crow, right? No therapy, yeah. Right into uh, what the Civil Rights period, no therapy. Zero mental health assessments mm -hmm. and opportunities for people to process what they experienced as a child, yeah. what they experienced as an adult, mm -hmm. and what their parents went through. Right. So, so part of my, my trauma uh, research is centered around post-traumatic slave syndrome. Which which speaks to the the uh, behaviors, the uh, the responses to these, whether it's people derailing the movement. Like again, like the the reason why the civil rights movement didn't really take shape or form until Selma was because of what? Because of uh, the stance on abortion that the Republicans were fighting for, uh, the, the feminist movement that excluded black women. Mm -hmm. All of these mm -hmm. counter things, you know derailing the movement, you know, and with it ends now, you know, right. we are a racial uh, injustice focused organization. We focus yeah. on racial injustice and we've had people, well, what's your stance on, uh, you know, uh, are you, are you affirming, it? man, listen, we affirm the Imago Dei, but that's not our organization. Right. right. We are centering this on right. racial inequalities. We cannot be distracted. It, it, and, but that's what happens Yeah. because we don't want to deal not only with the trauma of people, but we don't want to deal with the issue, mm -hmm. which to me says we really don't want to move forward. Yeah, we're we're good. Yeah, we're good. But you you can vote now. You yeah. can you can ride the public right. bus. Because women since nineteen sixty five, black women nineteen sixty five. Right, right. Like, I don't think people know that. Right. My mom was born in sixty three, which means my aunt was the first generation of women to vote. She was exactly 18, I believe. Wow. 
first, yeah, first, first generation. generation. Yeah. And, and again, we might can only track six or maybe seven generations right. in the first. So there's, there's a lot of firsts in my family. I'm the first mm-hmm. to, uh, w- with my mom, you know, out of all six children, like to go to college mm-hmm. and to go get a master's and right. now, you know, a, a doctorate degree and all that right. stuff. And like, there are a lot of firsts for African, especially in the South. Yeah. Southern black people are very different than Northern black people. Right. And, and even though racism was still in both places, there was still a, a bit of an exceptionalism and, and, and educational opportunities right. by proxy of the North. But, you know. Yeah. So anyway, I don't, I don't even want to go into that, that yeah, my theory no, on that's that. That's great. So how, how did you learn about the Enneagram and how are you, if you are, how are you combining that with your education about trauma? So I learned about the Enneagram in 2014, 2015, uh, when I was deconstructing. Uh, I was deconstructing uh, evangelicalism. I was deconstructing my faith uh, in, a, in a healthy way. Like I never lost sight of God, but I was like, man, like, Lord, I, I just want, I just want you. Yeah. I, I want yeah. to decolonize um, everything that I've learned. Like, cause everything we, we learned is colonized, right? Like, right. and I, I want to decenter that. I want to decenter whiteness and white supremacy. Um, and again, that's an ongoing journey. Um, and so 2015, I, uh, well, 2014, I started my seminary journey, hated it because I felt like I was being colonized. Yeah. Yeah. Quit, and then I went to uh, one of my friends. He ran a worship school in Atlanta, and that's really when I got into the you know Thomas Merton, the Richard Rohr, the yeah. Enneagram. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. And that was very liberating. Yes, very liberating. And yes. then I, I discovered I'm a four wing three when they were still doing mm-hmm. the wings. Yeah, and so very introspective. So you know mm-hmm. it, it explained why I process. I think strategically about things. I really think deeply about things. I'm emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and so using the Enneagram has helped me to honestly control my emotions, mm-hmm. you know, as, a, as an artist, right. as, as one that like is a, when I'm healthy, a perfectionist, um, it's really helped me to, to really uh, evaluate myself and myself spiritually. Yeah. Um, and then to find ways to connect with, with scripture in a way that, that benefits me. So I'm always like the abstract guy. So like, yeah. Yeah. You, if we're preaching on Jonah in the well, I'm going to preach a different lingual. So, um, so with that being said, by me learning about every number, and then I started to say, okay, like I'm going to learn about these. So I read the books and listened to all the podcasts, and and then I just began to just notice certain things, and I would look for certain behaviors or responses, or how do they respond when they're in crowds and outside of crowds. And then that allowed me to be able to pinpoint personality types. Mm-hmm. And then what, I, what I'm currently doing is trying to assess those personality types and see if I can identify the, the type of trauma right. that they've gone through. So like with eights and sevens, what I've learned or what I am learning and trying to pin down is like there, there's a level of insecurity, which is why they, they are bold. Right. And there's a level of, uh, it's like, you know, Jay-Z talks about the bully analogy of mm-hmm. like, like you want to hit them before they hit you so they don't see your weaknesses, right? right. So right. you were talking about, you know, being an eight. And we're the best, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and, you know, right. and so yeah. so for me, assessing that, you know, yeah. and insecurities, you know, and um, in my friend circles, a lot of my seven friends um, or my, my eight friends and seven friends, like some of them have um, like come from broken families. Mm-hmm. And so even learning something like that, learning that most... Um, Black people and Hispanic people that have um, 
uh, come from divorced families, they tend to be a, a three, whether it's a wing or dominant. So most of my Latino friends are two wing threes uh-huh. or, or four wing threes. And, and, uh-huh. and same with a, a lot of my, my black friends. So there's no data on that, but that's right. just kind of my thing. And then I'm saying, okay, cool. Now I can kind of assess like what kind of questions to ask about their family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I start to say, okay, oh, so you, your parents split up. So, well, how did that make you feel? Yeah. You know, how, what did you emotionally go through? And again, yeah. that's, that's just my yeah, way of dealing with it. So, yeah. um, yeah, I don't know if that helps. So, oh, no, yeah. it does. Cause I yeah. think there's, there's so much and and you know, when people start off with Enneagram, it's so simple and then it, it gets incredibly Nuanced. complex yeah. Yeah, and, and, and so intriguing yeah. you know, uh, of it, but anything that helps us to be able to stay in a conversation. Yeah. So part of those I try to teach people was that, when you're in ventral vagal, right, mm-hmm. in parasympathetic, you can hear and stay in a conversation and disagree. Yeah. The minute I go into a trauma response, yeah. the minute I defend, the minute I have to have a racist defense mechanism, yeah. the minute I have to to go into fawning and say, oh, well, but you're, you're okay now, aren't you? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm no longer in a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not going to connect. And yeah. God's called us to connection. Yeah. And so the enemy wants everything disconnected. He wants us all distracted. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. that... That helps so much of understanding yeah. how to be, to be in the difficult conversation, yeah. and knowing when I need to exit it because yep. I my true self has already left. Yeah, there's a difference between debating, discussing, and actually dialoguing. Yes, huge difference. You know yes. what I'm saying? And so, yeah. like, uh, you know, and going back to earlier statement about how do I engage? I, like, if it's not a di- a dialogue, then I'm probably not going to have the conversation. You know, I've had friends, you know, especially lately, you know, sending me videos of Thomas Sowell. You know. Uh, you know, the, the list goes on all these right. token, you know, black guys and, you know, apologists. And for me, I'm like, yo, I, I went through that seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't feel compelled to take myself backwards. Yeah. I've yeah. already moved on. And right. so, um, but yeah, it, it is one of those things that, that, that I'm not here to debate people, you know, like I'm on a, I'm on a specific mission and I'm focused. Yeah. That's right. And so, you know, I'm not even have, I'm not trying to have a discussion you know, because yeah. that's still like a defensive it, posture. Right. But if we want to have a dialogue, man, that's where the healing takes place. Mm-hmm. You know, I love it when people say that I'm here to learn and then I'm like, no, you're not. You're <laughs> here to ask me questions so you know where I stand. Yeah. And then I don't give you an answer because I don't play into dualism. Right. And then you leave like, well, what's your side? Well, well, let's just make him a progressive because he disagrees and critiques what I believe. Right. Okay, cool. Let's yeah. make him conservative because he critiques what I believe. So yeah. it's... Like man's self worth mm. is the the hardest thing, especially for Black people. Imagine if Black people didn't deal with self worth and identity issues, and they actually believed in themselves, right? Knew like understood how smart they yeah. were and they yeah, are. That's right. That's that that's power. That's power. that's the thing that I believe America fears mm-hmm. is the fact that when Black people like myself. Amidst my trauma and my racist experiences, when I when I become confident, mm. man, that's where the power is. But we don't yeah. realize like that's our greatest power as Americans. Right. right. Is black innovation, is black self-worth and dignity. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and so we shouldn't be threatened by these things. But yeah, I don't know. I you know, and then that's again, that's why I am in this trauma thing and and, and healing, you know, for myself and learning like, man, this is why I tick. Mm-hmm. Because of this, yeah, 
Because this has not been dealt with. Because my dad went through this. My dad doesn't know how to father. And I'm insecure about being a father. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, and so like, man, as I learned that, I'm like, oh, man, it wasn't my dad's fault. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can give him accountability, but there's no blame. There's no blame. Yeah. Which frees him from shame. Yeah. Which is what we're talking about, right? right. Like, It it frees that person like, hey, like you can truly walk in freedom, but Mm. yo, that's even tough. Yeah. Think about the Israelites, like right. coming out of ex, uh, you know, Egypt. Like, yeah. yeah, okay, cool. I'm in the in the wilderness, heading to the promised land. Right. Man, I'm going back to Egypt. At least, yeah. I, at least I wasn't starving. You right. know, at least, right. at least I had right. meat. You know, yeah. I was going to die full. You know, yeah. like, like we really don't know what to do with freedom, and because many of us don't know what freedom tastes like. Yeah. We well, really don't know. Yeah, and on a small level, for anybody can relate to that. If there's something you're struggling with, and and I will say, well, well you know, what have you thought about this? Yeah. Well, I can't do that because what if she, what if she gets mad at me? Yeah. Well, what about like, we all have our, our barriers to that yeah. freedom. Yeah. And so, and I do think we can extrapolate that and be able to look at yeah. what our black and, and um, brothers and sisters are going through yeah. and have understanding how it's so hard, even though it's something that you want and need, yeah. what are the internal issues that keep me from there? Yeah. And then it, I just don't want to add to someone else's inability yeah, yeah. to get somewhere. Yeah, man. And the way to not do that is by listening. Yeah. Why? Why? Why do they take the way they do? Yeah. The why person, do? Yeah. Why do they respond the same way? Right. You know, like surely there's a pattern to this, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the same with my story. Why mm-hmm. is every west side of every city like quote unquote the poverty ghetto, right? Like, right. there's there's a reason. So if we say like, man, like surely not all black people are lazy, right? Surely there are some black people pulling them, quote unquote, air quotes, themselves up by their bootstraps. Not all cops are bad. Right. Surely there's more to the the situation. Right. We have to develop a passion and a zeal to to get to know the why. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't do that without a is more than proximity. Mm-hmm. Learning about the history. That's right. Learn about what they have been impacted yeah, by. That's right. What does trauma look like? What does a conversation about trauma look like for black Americans? Mm-hmm. You're not going to find a ton of stuff. Right. It's just now like, I feel like, you know, maybe Jen's, uh, Jen uh, X is like the first generation to really start to lean into it. You know, I'm sure there's some boomers, but there we're just now getting material to read about and say, this is a possibility of why we go through what we go through. Right. Absolutely. You know? And so we're, again, I said it earlier, like we're in the stages of a lot of first, you know, post-traumatic slave syndrome, that theory came out in 2008. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, it's a, it's a great theory to understand black people. But I guess what she does, Dr. Degree, she, she talks about the history, right? She walks you through history, through slavery, through Jim Crow, mm-hmm. through how black women were experimented on and mm-hmm. still are. Yes. And how we, when I, if I go to the emergency room, because genetically, quote unquote, I have a higher pain tolerance than y'all, mm-hmm. they're not going to treat me. And right. that stuff still exists or still how exists. I yeah. can't just call my, or well, actually I have the privilege because I'm married to a white woman to say, Hey babe, like I've been in the waiting room for, for three hours. Come down here. Yeah. And I have the privilege to call her and she can come down there and make some noise. Right. But that's not everybody. Right. But if we can take the time to understand these things, mm-hmm. first of all, it's humbling. Yeah. <laughs> Second of all, I think it will allow us to empathize more. Mm-hmm. And then it'll give us an opportunity to to really uh, to uplift people. Right. 
to uplift people. And, and, and then that belief happens. And then I believe we had, we have a better world and definitely a better economy. All right. And for people to have a posture of curiosity and from listening to, and the, the lenses to look through are not of guilt. It's no, it's just of seeking. No, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just yeah, seeking. It's yeah. just to see. Yeah. And so, you know, like, and this is from birth on, but you know, like if something happens with your son, there's some rupture in y- y'all's connection. Like yeah. he's upset with you. He, you, have a moment of not the best parenting. Yeah. When there's a rupture, there has to be a repair. Yeah. When yeah. There's disconnect. There has to be a reconnect. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. The more time that happens between the rupture yeah. and repair, the bigger gap there is. And that's, that's so good. That is where behavior gets put inside. Yep. yep. All right. So when people go 400 years from rupture to repair, mm. there's going to be some behavior, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get mad at the behavior. Yep. Yep. And say, see, I told y'all. Yeah. Now talk. Now think about it from an educational perspective. Uh, uh, Segregation, segregational schools, uh, really went all the way up to like the mid seventies. Right. You know, and I know a lot of black, uh, a few black pastors that are, quote unquote, like the OGs that that couldn't get into accredited seminaries, like your your Dallas Theological Seminary, Gordon, Princeton, uh, until the (laughs) eighties. Like my my one of my mentors and, Mm -hmm. and Dr. Tony Evans. They were like some of the first in like the late 70s, early 80s to get into an accredited seminary. Wow. So we see it within private school, charter school, right? So we still see it. Yeah. Um, but man, like if we can learn like the why, this is this really exists because of like racism. Right. Absolutely. Then we can't we can't necessarily point the finger. Right. You know, we have to point it back at ourselves, right? Yeah. So like if I'm pointing a finger, guess what? I have four or three other fingers pointing back at right. myself. Right. So um, yeah. Well, and it also goes into to poly, polyvagal theory because mm. you know you're you have a you have a vagus nerve. So it's your largest nerve in your body, but it's your largest part of your anatomic. Mm-hmm. And so, when there is rupture, there's disconnect, and you yeah. are in a trauma response. Yeah, like it affects your respiratory system, yep. digestive. It affects your health. It's yep. autoimmune. It's yep. all of that. Yep. So you're talking slavery, whereas people yep. can't be well. Yeah, and yeah. part of what helps people yeah. to get back into ventral vagal is humming mm. and singing. Yeah. So yeah. if you there research slaves there and what they did, yep. they found ways to yeah. try to self-soothe yeah. when all was yep. around them was having to be in, yeah. a, in a trauma response. That's why music is essential to black people. That's right. Right. My wife says it um, as a white woman. She's like, I just don't get why we sing the Star Spangled Banner. Like we should be singing the Negro National Anthem. Yeah. And yeah. I want you to right now, Go look up all of the lyrics for the, the, the national anthem okay. versus the Negro national anthem. Look at the differences. Okay. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell not, you. I, I would love yeah, to see yeah, that. Yeah. I'm not, I don't, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Literally go look up the difference and tell me which one based on what we have romanticized that our mm. country's about, which anthem uh, stands the best. And what you see is amidst the suffering, these people, these black people have learned to still find hope. Yes. And joy and yes. perseverance yes. over their circumstances, and and so, and you're talking about like even like dealing with like the the, the coping, like we, coping is yeah. a thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a part of our makeup, and and you know, so when black people go from literally living off the land to right. okay, now you're just gonna work for the land, and then you know, now what do we see? Like they hardly eat from the land that they they harvest, right? You know, and so right. like now you get into processed food. Well, mm-hmm. why do they eat? Their diets are bad. Well. What do you think? Yeah. Whole Foods, five dollars for a, a stem of grapes. Right, right. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Versus, right. versus, you know, here's some stuff. You know, so yeah. it's yeah. So, anyways, yeah. There's so much. There's so many angles of the trauma, and and again, every person 
that I talk to who have lived a life of oppression mm-hmm. and can share it so well. Yeah. Like, I haven't talked to anyone who has said, I'm sitting here waiting for someone to make it better for me. <laughs> no. I, I've, I've yeah. never heard yeah. that. And That's yet, good. when I talk to white people, they're like, why are they, they're, why are they acting like victims? Yeah. And that's where I leave Intravagal. I go into 13-year-old from Fort Mill, South Carolina. I'm about to go on you, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I have a hard time when it gets to that level. But I understand that they, based on their life, they've never had to expand beyond where they are. Yeah, well, they don't see how they are affected by trauma. That's right. You know what I'm saying? And, like, that's the thing. That's one of my driving points is, like, like white people have to understand, like, this this impacted them. You know, imagine, 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 um... You know, this hypothetically, y'all are married and own a plantation, right? So my mom's raising the kids mm-hmm. and, you know, I grew up with y'all's kids and that sort of thing. And then, you know, we become teenagers and then I'm automatically gone. Uh, but wow. we, I've developed a friendship with wow. your kid. What do yeah. you think happens? That kid becomes numb. Right. And says, well, I can't trust him. They're going to leave me. So now the kid is impacted by something he doesn't Con, like concept he can't conceptualize right. until he's older and then it's passed down to him and then his father teaches him how to perpetrate the same thing right and so now you're talking about generations of a, a like a lack of empathy mm-hmm. and you know that kid is feeling that dissonance like something's not right mm-hmm. why are they doing that to them mm-hmm. every kid my, my, my three-year-old does that right you know and so like if we can see how we've been impacted mm-hmm. by this mm-hmm. even in our responses of well, why are they playing the victim? <laughs> I don't know because I can't buy a house in Myers Park. Like right. I'm a victim right? because right. redlining is a real thing, it right? Or thing. I own a business and it wasn't until I brought in my white business partner yeah. that I can get a loan, even though my white friends in the city got loans and I have better income and credit. Right. right. These things are real. I'm not. Yes. And they're real today. They're real. Today. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't history. You're not I, talking about your grandfather. No, no. I'm this 31 years old. This is 2017. Right. You know, and so so if we don't learn right. and and understand, and for me with a lot of my white friends, just understand and learn about why you respond the way you do. Mm-hmm. Just start there. Yeah, uh, that's perfect, isn't it? <laughs> that, just Seriously. start, why Why do I respond? Why do I feel mm-hmm. like they're not working hard enough? And what am I trying not to feel or experience? Yeah, yeah. If I didn't have this defense mechanism, yeah. if I didn't say what everybody yeah. else is saying, yeah. What would I actually yeah. experience? Yeah, yeah. Well, my white friends tell me that. Well, Sanchez, if you're not so vocal about racial justice, like you know, you you could be, you know, the pastor of a, a huge mega church. You could you could do mm. this. Mm. Oh, so so mm. I have to not speak. I have to compromise the gospel, mm-hmm. sacrifice the integrity of the kingdom of God. That's right. To make white people comfortable. comfortable. Yeah. Can you point me to the passage of scripture that says that? Yeah. Tell me about that, right? <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. so, and, and again, I'm, I'm not, I, if I sound harsh about white people, it's because I generally, I'm called to them. I, I, I'm married to one. Right. I love them. And, right. and I see the potential because I, I, this conversation is liberating. Yeah. This is not exhausting right. because yeah, we're, good. we're linking arms mm-hmm. and we're doing the work together. Mm-hmm. And honestly, man, like that, that's all I think, you know, I'll speak for myself. That's all I really want. I just want you. You're, you're in the struggle with me, and you're doing what you can with your privileges to create better opportunities for people. Right. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that that's my thing that I don't hear any minority asking too much of anything. I just don't. I think it's just easy. And I don't to think, think they're that. asking for handouts. Never. They're <laughs> like the whole welfare thing. Like, yeah. man, like, come on, bro. Like, yeah. just just do research. Like, right. white people are more on welfare welfare than black people. And, right. Or it's you know, also synthetic. Like, there. If you 
the lineage, if you trace where this comes Come from, on. how it happens, yes. right? Yes, um, if you want to talk about the origins of welfare, and if you want to talk about the origins of, of reparations, um, um, well, 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 white people got reparations at the end of slavery. Like, they're, they're, they got $300 a slave. Right. That's the equivalent of $8,000 right now. Wow. Wow. $8,000 per slave yeah. after slavery ended right. as a, a form of reparations. Yeah. yeah. That's not taught in school. No. Or in, even an in-depth conversation about Jim Crow laws and that. <laughs> well, you got to. They your, weren't really free. Yeah. I literally heard somebody quote said uh, they were having a conversation with a white person. And then the final man said, well, man, we gave you your bathrooms. <laughs> Like that, that was legitimately said. Right. And, you know, right. and it's like, man, okay. Yeah. You know. Well, and that, that just goes into like, again, like I just look into things, especially what's happened in the pandemic. For me, it's been a, a just a vacuum of understanding and empathy with yeah. racism for me. Yeah. Um, because I know this white man who went to Publix mm. and he got in the wrong part of the line. Someone corrected him. Yep. And he said he's never going to go back. But his opinion of black people being upset today, mm. right? Like it's yep. just yep. like that was his opportunity for me, given God giving him opportunity, what it feels like to be treated differently yep. Yep. publicly. Yep. To, to, to mourn with those that are more. Yeah. That's yeah. the moment yeah. of grace. That's yeah. your moment for empathy. Yeah. Not to say I'm never going to Publix again. Yeah. Yeah. Because Sanchez, if every place you went to, you were discriminated against, you said, I'm never going back there. Where would you go? I would live in my house and Amazon Prime everything. Yeah, which is not a bad idea. I love Amazon. <laughs> yeah, but, but you, yeah, you're like exactly you really, right. You're exactly, yeah. But that goes back to the fact that I say, like, like no minority cannot not go through the system right. to, to do anything. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Like, I have right. white friends that live in the South Charlotte where I live that will go weeks and months without seeing a person of color. Like, that's a reality. Right. Work, right. church, yeah. you name it. Right. I, I cannot do that. Right. And, and and how can you convince me that I am free yeah. if I don't have the same freedom that you have? Yeah. How can you commit, yeah, <clears throat> convince me yeah. of equality right. if, if this, like, imagine that y'all could not function, make a, like, get paid, own a house, uh, buy a car, buy clothes, anything you wanted. You couldn't do it without going through me. Well, I kind of like you, but to, to make your point, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, 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 you're yeah, a really yeah, good guy. Yeah, yeah. But no, there's no way yeah, that, yeah. like, you know, just just as a woman and a woman who gets treated a certain way based on how I look in society, yeah, right? Yeah. That just that, I feel the the impression yeah. from that. Now, has it ever stopped me from my level of education? Has it ever stopped yeah. me from anything? Yeah. No. And yeah. so, one example I use with people is that I have a tendency when I walk in and out of places that. Because I have, I guess I have metal in me. I don't know. But things buzz when I walk yeah, in places. Yeah. So I walked in Academy Sports um, and I was returning something and it buzzed. But it was my, it was me with yeah. metal buzzing. And everyone looked at me and I looked at the staff guy who looked 12. Everybody looks 12 to me now. <laughs> and I said, I said, I have a steel plate in my head. He went, okay. Yeah. Everybody went back to what they were doing. I'm like. It, first yeah. of all, do I look that special that yeah. that's that's the answer? Yeah, that's but not I, the answer for my mom. She has yeah. a metal rod in her back. Right. So, but I will yeah. tell you, if I were black and said that, yeah, if I walked in academy yeah. and I buzzed, yeah. I can tell you three or four people would have accosted yeah. me. Yeah, and I know that. Yeah. Now I'm going to enjoy the fact that I can look and just say, "Hey, if I still plate in my yeah. head," but I know, yeah, that black people can't get away with the things yeah. I say. My mom has to carry around a card, yeah, and a doctor's note to show, like, "Hey." 
I really do. Really do. Here's my handicap sticker. Yes. Here's my note. Here's right. my thing from my doctor. Right. And, and again, that's the that's the sad part, right? Right. Like, like it you is. know. So so when we, but again, that's the um, that's why black people live. Yeah. Like in in the fear. Right. You know, when it comes to whether it's injustices, police brutality, racial, you know, job discre- you know, discrimination, and all mm-hmm. these things, it's because these things exist. Yes. I I can't. <laughs> It's sad that I have to I have to teach my two boys. Mind you, they're they're extremely cute. The three and one. Mm-hmm. I have to teach them how to live in three realities: mm. the kingdom, yeah, the kingdom of God reality. That's right. A reality here on earth that that fully affirms their biracialness, mm-hmm. and then a reality outside of that that says that they're black. Three, 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 mm. three realities. Wow. Because my boys, regardless of their education, right. how articulate they may be someday, right. doesn't make them the exception to anything. That's right. And the only, or the, the only reason they will get ahead is because of the privileges they have vicariously through friends and family. That's right. You got it. <laughs> it's just truth. Yeah, it's just truth. You know, so. Wow, that's so powerful. So what do you see yourself doing? Because you've picked the hardest school around here to go to. You Gordon Conway. Like, whatever yeah. that's about. Why you did that? <laughs> um, um, but so what do you plan on doing with your PhD? What do you see happening next? So my, my hope long term is to continue to pastor. Um, I, I love preaching. Yeah. Um, that That is a liberating thing for me. Mm. Um, and, and discipling the next generation yeah. and discipling yeah. leaders and cause leadership is something I'm passionate about. Um, but honestly consulting, um, on these kinds of things and mm-hmm. really helping people to, um, understanding like the importance of trauma by way of history mm-hmm. and why it like how, if we don't understand gen- intergenerational trauma, mm-hmm. like then it's, we're never going to get rec- uh, racial reconciliation. Right. So my, my, my proposal is like, hey, maybe if we approach this from a traumatic perspective and understand our trauma and how we've been impacted, so good. maybe this will speak to why racial reconciliation hasn't happened. And if we can appreciate each other's trauma, maybe that'll be a way forward. Right. Maybe we will learn how to truly empathize with our brothers and sisters so that we can progress forward. So consulting will be my, that's my next goal for next year is to be certified um, through an organization and all that stuff. So I can consult on businesses to create opportunities and. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So is there a way that we can support you, what you're doing now? I know you're doing so much with music. I know you're doing so much with youth in this area, yeah, is there anything yeah. there are listeners or that I can do to support you in that? So, um, I mean, just supporting our, our podcast, Token Confessions. Yeah. Um, we have a Patreon page and, you know, we have people that give from $5 to whatever. So yeah. um, that's that's the biggest thing because, again, yeah. the hope with that is at some point, like, we build it into this network of podcasts and, and education mm-hmm. um, because it's really about education, theology, and history. Right. Um, and we use it as an opportunity to raise up the next generation mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So anything there is is phenomenal. Um, personally, if you want to support me, then, you know, I can just, we'll put my email and I can show okay. you how you can support my, my research and that sort of thing. So that is awesome. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. This is thank great. you for letting me, for being a part of this. My very yeah. first on my own yeah. podcast. I appreciate that. Yeah. I hope we've, I hope some of you listen to this are upset. I hope that somehow you've had to do a little internal search and see what's mm-hmm. going on. You don't have to agree with everything, but there's something that just got you. Mm. Maybe that's something to take to the cross. Maybe that's mm. something to just pray about and scream about and just 
think about. Yeah. Like we're if nothing changes, nothing changes, yeah. right? We're not yeah. here to stay in the same place of where we started. So yeah. do something today so yeah. you can flip your lid. Yeah. Right. And then get reconnected to who God says you are. And know that that's exactly what Christ did. Yes. Like like the, the Sermon on the Mount, right? Like it's it's antithetical to the system of Rome. You know what I'm saying? And, and like, yeah. it's not about like following these rules and say, oh, the only way I'm going to follow Jesus or be like Jesus is by being persecuted. No, it's actually mm-hmm. saying like, hey, this is what it's like, but it's freeing. Yes. Going back to that freedom idea. Yeah. And and again, if you've been pricked by this, like, again, like you just said, like, just really search within. Mm-hmm. And, and, and before you get defensive, mm-hmm. go do some research. Yeah, that's right. Do some research. And, and maybe maybe research from non-white people. Right, right. <laughs> well, and, and just go to Netflix. You're already there. Yeah, You're in a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Go watch 13th. Go watch. Oh, yeah. Um, There's uh, When They See Us, 13th, The New Jim Crow, right. Malcolm X, uh, Selma, uh, you know, James Baldwin's. Uh, right, <laughs> There's right. so much. And yeah. for free right now. Yeah, it's free. Was it Just Mercy that they put on for just a while? Just Mercy, yes. Brilliant. Yeah. Just yes. brilliant. All yes. of it. Just, just go watch it. And yeah. Go to your Bible. Turn to Galatians 5 1. Yes, it says, We've yes. been set free for yeah. freedom. It means you've been set free. It doesn't mean so you good. are free, that we get entangled with shame, blame, and rejection. And if you want to get free from that, there's only one way, and that's through Christ. But it doesn't have to be just through your yeah. Bible, right? Yeah. Talk to people, figure yeah. this out, yeah. do whatever you have to do so you can truly be free. Yeah. Controversial statement. If the gospel was enough, it would have already worked. He said it, folks. <laughs> That one truth on you. <laughs> that doesn't discredit yeah. the gospel. If that doesn't flip your lid, nothing yeah, will, right? Yeah. 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 Just yeah. do on that. I, I don't That's even right. want to give That's you right. the answer, but Well, and that. just know we stand by that, that then if, if it was just a gospel, then you wouldn't go to a doctor. You wouldn't go Correct. to a therapist. Uh, you wouldn't go somewhere else, right? Go go where you can take that scripture yes. and know where to place it. Because if yes. you don't know where to put it, if you put yes. a cast on your leg, but your arm's broken, yeah. you don't get better. Absolutely. All right. Well, God bless y'all. Thanks for listening, Sanchez. I love you. I love (laughs) you. 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 All right. Thank y'all.